Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. All right, you ready for the word? Second Kings, chapter 6. So this begins after a season of transition. Somebody say a season of transition. Elijah had decided that all the prophets had been killed by Jezebel and he was the only one standing. Sometimes we feel all alone, but God has to remind you, I've got 7,000 who've not bowed the knee or kissed the feet of Baal. We're not the only ones holding up the bloodstained banner. And so he said, God, if I found favor in your sight, kill me. It is enough. All the other prophets died, take me. He said, all right, but I want you to go to Elisha, the son of Shaphat, and I want you to anoint him. And Jehu and Elisha are going to take it from here. And whoever Jehu doesn't get with the sword, Elisha will. He's like, don't worry, I got you. But you get some rest for now. And he goes and he finds Elisha plowing with 12 oxen. And he tells him to come. Now here's what's amazing. There had been a drought for 18 months. But when he gets to the area where Elisha is, it's green. See, God will water your garden even in a drought. It's plush. It's green. He comes out of a dry desert. When he gets to where his father's, Elisha's father is, it's open. And Elisha follows him. But first he says, I got I to gotta say goodbye to my father. And Elisha said, what do I have to do with you? He was testing him. See, God tests us. He, he's, he leaves, and Elisha said, nope, I'm coming. Then he says, I got to go to Gilgal. You stay here. He said, nope, as the Lord your God liveth, wherever you go, I'm going to go. Gilgal, Jordan, to Bethel. He never left him. So he's watching him everywhere he goes. And then he asked him, just before he's taken up, what should I do for you? He said, I want a double portion of your spirit. I see how you operate. And in order for me to fill your shoes, I need twice what you have. Because the people are not going to receive me. You are well respected. You are a father to these people. And here's what I want you to know. This is important so that I can get to the message and get through it quickly. That every place he went, Elijah, Gilgal, Jordan, Bethel, there was a school of prophets who he had fathered. And he was going to say goodbye to all of them. And Elisha, Reverend Brock, was watching this interaction. And he's like, I got to follow this dude? This is going to be a problem. And he watched what Elijah did. And when he went to his last place, he got to Jordan. He took his mantle and he wrapped it around and he hit the water. And the Jordan opened up. And they went on on dry ground. And for you, Elisha, what are you thinking? How am I going to get back? <laughs> it's like, do I got money to take a ferry back? But God is showing him how he works and what his responsibility is going to be. So they get to the other side, and the chariot of fire takes Elijah up in a whirlwind. 
And Elijah, Elisha comes back to the Jordan. He doesn't wrap it around like he saw. He takes it, hits the water. And he says, where's the God of Elijah? He's already, this Elijah has left me. What am I going to do? I want you to know when you feel like you're alone and you don't know what to do, Jesus promised to be with you always. You're not alone. You're not alone. He smote the waters, even in bitterness, and the Jordan opened up, and he walked on the other side. And when he got to the other side, the young prophets were waiting for him. And they said, have you heard? Our father, Elijah, has been taken up. I said, yeah, I know. And they said, maybe the Lord has taken him and dropped him. They couldn't bring themselves. They were in denial. They were in denial. They couldn't bring themselves to believe that Elijah, their father, who had taught them everything they knew about the prophetic office, was gone. They said, maybe he dropped him. Can we go and look? Here's what Elisha said. No, don't go. So he starts out saying, don't go. Why do you think he said that? He realized that now he's in a position of being transitioned into leadership, but their hearts are divided. In fact, they're not even divided. Their hearts are with Elijah. But who's there to lead? Elisha. Have you ever been in a position where it's your turn to lead, but the hearts of the people are somewhere else? I promise you, that's not easy. So then they kept asking him, and he finally said, go. And they went and they didn't find him. The next thing they did was they wanted to test him. I want you to know that testing is good because that's when you, God gets to show up and you need to demonstrate who God is. Because if the people wouldn't follow Elisha because they compared him to Elijah, they surely would follow God because they love God, so they needed to see God. Emotionally, they missed their father, Elijah. But Elisha, and this will be more clear when we get to the text, is now the one who God appointed. So they said, look around. Everything looks pleasant in this place, but there's death in the water. And Reverend Brockley said, go get me some salt. And he threw salt in the water, and he said, the waters are healed and they drank from it. And the writer said of Kings, from that day forward, those waters have been healed. Before, they were not contaminated. Do you know today on the face of the earth, the, the number one cause of death is unclean water. He took that salt, put it in the water, and it became drinkable. There was no more death in the water. And there was a few other things that they challenged him on, and God came through every time. What they didn't know, here's what they said when they saw him. They said, the spirit of Elijah is on him. But what they couldn't see is that he had a double portion. The, the things that you can't see, God will demonstrate because then it'll show up. And after a while, they kept challenging him and they realized, this dude is the real deal. God is with him. And their, and their hearts were joined together. There's nothing that God can't do in the midst of a people 
whose hearts are joined. Look at the history of the Bible. In Elijah's day, when the people's hearts were divided, he had to go to Mount Carmel for a showdown. See, it was a test. He said, if God be God, follow him. If Baal be God, then follow him. He took down 850 prophets. He said, how long will you be caught between two opinions? Elijah experienced that. And Elisha now had to go through the same thing. When Joshua followed Moses, he said, choose this day who you'll serve. Finish it for me. As for me and my house, all right, I set that up to make this part easy. Go back to the verse. And the sons of the prophets, and these sons now have gathered together from Gilgal, from Bethel, from Jordan, and from Jericho. Jericho was the place that looked pleasant, but the water was contaminated, where he healed the water. Every one of those places, Elisha worked the work. And so now, they're all together. And they said, see now, the place where we dwell with you. You hear that? Their hearts were divided. They were still with Elijah who was gone. But now they said, the place that we dwell with you. I hope somebody can get this. The place that we dwell with you. Because they're together, Brandy, they said, this place is too small for us. God told me to tell you, New Covenant, as we continue to join our hearts together, God said, this place is too small for us. This place, somebody say it with me. This place is too small for us. They were out in open air, but now their hearts are with the one who God has given them. And they said, this place that we dwell with you, this place is too small for us. Let's just take a minute. If somebody can get that in their spirit, I'm not just talking about a physical place. I'm talking about when God shows up, wherever you are, this place is too small for us. I wish somebody would say that. This place is too small for us. God won't let that thing go for the longest, for about 10 days. I wake up with this place. I shower with this place. I get on the airplane with this place. It's too small for us. I promise you, I was with a host in Oklahoma City at a beautiful church called The Crossing, and God showed me a vision, and I took out my phone, and I showed them my notes. I said, it's not just because we're doing this, and they saw the title across. This place is too small for us, and they began to speak in tongues. And some of them might be from a reformed background because this place is too small for us. God has something bigger. That's why we're going to the Kairos room today because this place is too small for us. That's why we go out because this place is too small for us. Leave that there just for a minute. When, when David wanted to build the temple and God said, nope, your hands are too bloody. Your son Solomon is going to do it. And in 2 Kings chapter 6, you don't have to go there now, but Solomon is praying. And in the, in the process of his prayer, he said, now God, 
Fulfill the word that you spoke to your servant, my father David, that I might build this temple. And then he says this. He said, can the earth contain you? Shall you dwell on the earth? He said, even the heavens of heavens cannot contain you, much less this temple that I'm building. What he was saying is, this place is too small for you. What I'm going to build you is going to be grand, but I realize that this place can't contain you. He said, nevertheless, I beseech you, hear the, listen to the prayers that are prayed from this place. Let your ears be attent and your eyes are, are open. So we come here so that we can connect with God. And when we connect with God and we're instructed, we go out because we know that this place is too small for us. God can't be contained in a building. And even though it took 21 years to build that temple, it was grand. Actually, it took 21 years for Solomon to build his, his palace. It took seven years to build the temple. Where was his priority? It took three times longer to build the house that I'm gonna dwell in than it took for the dwelling place of God. Where are our priorities? Are our priorities in the brick and the mortar? Is our business church business? Or is our business our father's business? If you're with me that it's our father's business, this place is too small for us. Come on, this place. I could stop right there. We don't, if somebody would just get, would grasp that when the people of God's hearts join together and when we do what God tells us to do, when there's a demonstration of God working and you get authority when you go, when you go, you get authority. You saw in Luke 22 as we were do, getting ready for communion, he told them what to do where to go and what they would find and what to say. When you see the master of the house, tell him the teacher wants. And everything fell in place. If we just do what he says, when he says it, and we go where he tells us to go, and then we do what he tells us to do, this place is too small for us. It won't be able to contain because God will break loose. And God will do what only he can do. I told you the story about the robber's florist. I had no idea. There, when we participate with God, he'll do stuff that we don't even know. It was three and a half years ago, and I just learned about it last night. You have no idea the impact you're having on people that you don't even know you're having because God is working. See, when we think we're working, when it's our mind, it's our plans, we put together these great thinkers and have all these plans. It might look good for a season, but it won't last. That's why you need to know this place is too small for us. That temple that took seven years to build, build that was grand, that when the, the apostles, Peter, James, and John went there 
to pray. There was a man who was lame for 40 years from birth. And he said, gold and silver have I none, but such as I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. That was at Solomon's porch. That was the temple. But here's what, and the people reverenced that temple as they should have. It was a sacred place. But God was doing a new thing, Brandy. And Jesus, one of the things that got him crucified is he said, you see that temple? Not one stone will be left standing on another. And they said, he blasphemes. He's speaking against the temple. Their hearts were so invested in the brick and mortar that they forgot about the God who is the, makes us living stones. He is the one who makes us lively stones. You are lively stones. You are living epistles read by all who see you. They lost track of who God was because they were so invested. And that's why we must think, and I'm gonna talk about this more on Tuesday. Don't miss Bible study, it'll be virtual. We must think more like stewards than owners because an ownership mindset will get you to the place that not one brick will stand on another because God will do whatever he has to do to turn our hearts to him. And if we're falling in love with things that are not him, he will find a way to get us to him. But what he wants you to know today is that this place is too small for us. Sometimes what we see determines what we believe. But if we just believe God, you will watch him do it. I don't know how he's going to do it. I'm just telling you what he told me to tell you, that this place is too small for us. And as God begins to work, you will see it too. Let me show you one more thing because it's going to unlock something. Go to the next verse. Please let us go. When God starts stirring the heart, it wasn't Elijah. Elisha didn't say to them go. They said, please let us go because they got a revelation that this place it's too small for us. We used to be scattered. We were in Bethel. We were in Jericho. We were in Gilgal. We were in Jordan. But now we're all together with you. And when now that we're together with you, this place is too small. So they begged him to go. Now I told you before when they came to Elijah to look for Eli to Elisha to look for Elijah, he said, Don't go. It went from don't go. Now that they're joined, watch what he says. And let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he answered what? One word. Before, it was two words. He said, don't go. Now he says, go. You know why he said go? Because they're together. Write in your notes, 2 Kings 2, 16 through 18. That's where you'll see the don't go. We're not going to hit that now. We don't have time. Next verse. Then one said, please consent to go with your servants. And he said, I will go. They went from looking for Elijah. They said, thank you for allowing us to go. But would you go with us? We, will you go with us? 
What caused them now to honor him? Elijah was their father, and they're not many fathers. Let's go to the next verse. So he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. See, the people had a mind to work. They didn't just talk about it. When they went, they went to work. Somebody said, go to work. Go to work. So first, they said, let's go. But when they went, they went to work. Next verse. We're almost done. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water, and he cried out and said, alas, key word here, master, for it was borrowed. Let me just drop this in your spirit for a minute. Elijah, they saw his father. Now they see Elisha as master. See, the, when you are a steward, you serve the master. When you're an owner, you do what you want to do. It's your thing. So you do everything you can to protect your thing. If it's God's thing, D, God protects his own stuff. That's why I'm glad I'm his child, because he protects me. I don't have to fight back. I don't have to fight you, because God got me. When I really understand that, I learn how to hold my peace. I used to wonder why. Why I'm doing everything right, I think. Why am I so disturbed? Because I didn't learn, Rev, how to hold my peace. I allowed my peace to go, and when it was not a person of peace, I didn't know how to have it return to me. And that's the instruction that the Bible gives. For every one of you who go out, and we're wrapping this up, every one of you who go out, pray this simple prayer. Lord, show me a person of peace. Wherever you are, just pray, Lord, show me a person of peace. He'll do it. He did it for the 70 who didn't know what they were doing. And he said, when you go, if you find a person of peace, let your peace rest there. See, because if I'm talking to you and you're a person of peace, my peace can rest with you because there's going to, the only thing going to be between us is peace. But if you're a disruptive, chaotic person of confusion, what I'm supposed to do is he said, if they don't, let your peace return and shake the dust off your feet. I've been walking around with dusty feet and with no peace because I didn't have enough insight to know my peace is supposed to return. You know why? Because I took it as personal rejection. They're not rejecting me. They're rejecting the God who sent me. When you are secure in that, you can't be shaken. You'll be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart and mind. And when we get to that place, this place is too small for us. We're equipping, God is equipping us so that the word will come to pass. It's coming, I promise you, because God said it. Not because I said it. You'll know if God said it, because if he said it, it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen because the fruit remain that he releases. Stand with me. Come on, lift your hands.
And let's declare with one voice that this place is too small for us. Because we're one. We're together with each other. And we're one in Christ. And that's why this place is too small for us. I don't have time because I, we need some time to refresh ourselves before the Kairos room, those who are going. But I'm going to tell you a little bit more on how God confirmed his word, how he confirmed it in Oklahoma City, how he confirmed it on Friday night. Like everywhere, he's confirming his word. And when God confirms the word of his servant, he performs the counsel of his messenger. And you know it's God when God does it because he watches over his word to perform it. There shall be a performance. This place is too small for us. I want you to say it till you believe it. This place is too small for us. For the next day, the next seven days when I greet you, don't think I'm crazy, but when I come up to you and I say this place it's too small for us. I'm just trying to remind you that this place is too small for us. I, and you can greet me back or you can act like I'm crazy, but I'm gonna remind you that this place is too small for us. This place is too small for us. You need to be reminded because I'm talking to myself. I don't hear nobody else declaring that this place and all it took, all it took for those young prophets to come together and to be together with Elisha and then God could release that double portion of anointing. So when the waters needed to be healed, they were healed. You, the, the ax that fell was floating. It was floating. And he said, where is it? He took a stick, he threw it in the water and the ax swam. That's, the fact that it's floating is a miracle. But it's going downstream and it comes back upstream. This place is too small for us. God's gonna do some stuff that along the way you're gonna realize that this place, here's the last thing, and then Reverend Bracco is gonna come and close us out. Here's the last thing. The next verse, the one we didn't get to because I went over time is the young man, who the prophet who said, alas, master, had a great sense of urgency. And the reason is, you look at the verse yourself, I think it's verse seven. He said, for it is borrowed. It is borrowed. Master, borrowed. That's the heart of a steward. If it was his own acts, if he owned it, Oh, don't worry, I'll get another one. Somebody else, hey, you got an ax? Hey, bruh, you got another ax? But it's borrowed. The reason the mindset of a steward is so important that the time that I'm living, I know, is borrowed. The reason is, and it's not the borrowed time that the world talks about, it's because I've been bought with a price. So I'm no longer my own. 
I literally have a master because death and destruction was waiting for me eternally. And he bought me with a price. So now I'm a steward for the master. Everything that I have, my very life, my time, whatever I have is his. I have nothing that I have not received. And because of that, it creates an urgency because I know that I must be about my father's business. As a businessman, business has prospered my family, but that's not the focus. When I take care of his business, a lot of the reason I've been successful is because God made it happen. Because even in the, in the walls of corporate America, I focused on him. I was called a pastor in the corporate world before I was called a pastor in the church because I did his work. I interpreted dreams in my office. I prayed for cancer. I prayed for people whose marriages were breaking up because this place is too small for us. When we have a, a mindset of a steward and not owners, we realize that what I do is for the master. When I'm doing it for myself, it's my plans, it's my ingenuity. And I become like Nebuchadnezzar walking around the palace saying, look at all this stuff that my hands have made. And it wasn't until he was in the wilderness with long fangs that he came to himself. God, you don't have to do that to us. Today, we realize that we've been bought with a price. We know that you are our master and we are your servants. We understand stewardship is not just money. God, forgive us for teaching that for years. So the focus of stewardship is material. It's spiritual to you. It's, it's everything. It's not just one small segment of our lives, our very beings. We're stewards over our children. Over our children, every part of our lives, would you teach us? Would you show us so that we'll have the urgency of that young prophet who says, Master, alas, it is borrowed. It is borrowed. We own nothing. You've allowed us to possess many things. To possess many things but we own nothing. And that is evident by the fact that we shall take nothing with us. All that we have is our works as we stand before you. And so God, let us be found in your son because he justifies us. He makes it so that it is just as if we never sinned. He redeems our lives from destruction. He is everything but there is an enemy the father of lies who introduces doubt into people just as he did for Eve has God said there's an alternative to truth expose him today as a liar Jesus we understand why you called him the father of lies because the first attribute of a father is a source. A father, Philip, is a source. The source of lies through every generation is the devil 
He introduced it in the garden. Jesus is the source of all truth. He, he was the second Adam who came to correct the lie. That's why he declared, I am the truth. There's a father of lies and there's a source of truth. Believe the gospel today. Believe the gospel today. There's an enemy of your soul who's been lying to you. He wants nothing more than your destruction. He comes with three objectives, to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But Jesus came, bled and died, and got up again so that you and I could have life and have it more abundantly. As Reverend Bracco is coming, if you're in this room, if you're in this room, and you know I have been lied to, I have doubts about the gospel, and you wanna make it right with him today, as Reverend Bracco comes, I want you to come forward. As I go to my seat, I want you to leave your seat. Come now Thank and you. come quickly. This is your time. Come now. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. Anyone who wants to make a decision, to make a commitment to rededicate your life to the Lord, there's an opportunity to come forward. Or even if you don't want to come forward, you can raise your hand. I can see your hand and pray with you. For those online, it's an opportunity for you to say, this place is too small for me. I want to come to a place where I can be in God's presence and be filled totally with his love and his care. He said that I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. When you are stuck in a place where it's too small for you, when God wants to bless you, it cannot contain that environment. So if you are here, you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, you want to come to a place of saying that, Lord, bring me to a place where I can experience you for real. I want you to show by the raise of your hand, I'll pray with you. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. We give you praise. We thank you. Let me pray with you. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the revelation of your word this very morning. We thank you that, Lord, we are coming to a place where we know that without you, we can do absolutely nothing. You brought us to an understanding that, Lord, even as we go to grow, as we go to touch Philadelphia and its environs, oh God, we know that, Lord, your presence will go with us. All throughout this month, oh God, we have emphasized the need to gather and to go and to do the work that you called us to. Because you have given us a word today that this place is going to be too small for us because of the growth and expansion that is coming to us. Father, we thank you, the Lord, we are seeing it prophetically. And we thank you, the Lord, we are living in the days that we shall see the fulfillment of this prophetic word of God that will come not only to us, but to the nations of the world. Because we know without a shadow of doubt that when you bless indeed, this place shall be too small for us. In our businesses, the place we are 
will be too small for us. In our families, wherever we are, it will be too small for us. And therefore, we receive the revelation of your word that we will gather and do your work so that that which you intend to do will come to pass in our lives. We receive it once again and we say, this place indeed is too small for us because you are about to blow our minds. We thank you, we bless you. We ask all this, even in Jesus' name, and someone will say, Amen. Someone will say, Amen. And put your hands together for the Lord. Somebody, if you receive the message. Oh, is that all you can do? Is that all you can do? Bible says, clap your hands. All you people shout unto God with a voice of triumph, the voice of victory. If you believe you are victorious because this place is too small for you, put your hands together and give the Lord Almighty shout in the place. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated, you may be seated. And for those of you online, we just want to say, God richly bless you and keep you and preserve you. And we'll see you next time, next Sunday. God bless you. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.